Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. When the line of Judah roars, the things that seem so impossible, the high mountains become low, the depths of the valleys we face are raised up. That is the power of God, my friends, and that is the power that we find in God's holy word. So this morning, let us turn our hearts and our eyes and our ears and our attention towards the scripture as we read this morning in Matthew. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage, At the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd that went ahead of him and and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. May God bless our reading of the Holy Scriptures. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, this morning I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, my rock and my redeemer. If anything this morning is said is untrue, let it fall away from the ear, never to be retained. But if what is said is true this morning, may you write it on our hearts so that we find our hope in you. In Christ's holy name, amen. When we read of people going up to Jerusalem, traveling up to Jerusalem, they did, even if they were traveling south. You see, Jerusalem sits at the meeting point of several mountains, and Bethage was roughly a half a mile from Jerusalem. And from Bethage, you would travel west towards Jerusalem, and the last peak that you would come to, you could look across the valley and see old Jerusalem, see the temple, and there would be the gate, the eastern gate. Across This is, this is across the Kidron Valley. And the eastern gate was the only gate in Old Jerusalem that led directly into the temple area. And so Jewish tradition says that the Messiah will pass through the eastern gate when the Messiah comes to rule. And then, of course, for Christians, Christ did this. Christ did this. This is the very story that we're looking at today. So Jesus is in Bethphage, which is really close to Bethany. And Jesus has several connections in Bethany, close, close friends, specifically Lazarus, who is the life of the party, and then his brother Martha and Mary. And so they're there here in Bethphage, and Jesus tells two of his disciples, go ask for a donkey and a foal. Go ask for a donkey and a foal, and you'll see them waiting for you. Now, Why does Jesus do this? Jesus rode in on a donkey 
because this is what the prophet Zechariah foretold. In Zechariah 9.9, it says, Look, your king shall come to you, the victor. Triumphant is he, a lowly man riding on a donkey, the fowl of a she-donkey. Two things to note here. First, if a ruler is entering into a village seeking to be victorious, anticipating winning the battle, they would have not rode in on a donkey. They would have ridden in on a horse, on a chariot, with all of the armor available to them. But Zechariah says that this king isn't going to do all the pomp and circumstances. There's not going to be a big parade. This king will be humble and enter in on a donkey and on the foal of a she-donkey. Zechariah makes a unique point here that this ruler, this king, is going to enter into the village and is going to be different. It's going to be not exactly what you expected. When we read the story in Mark and Luke and John, they reference this same imagery. Jesus is riding in on a donkey. In John, it says a young donkey. In Luke and in Mark, it says on a foal. But notice that this prophecy says that the lowly man will be riding on a donkey, on a foal of a donkey. So the gospel according to Matthew wants to make sure that we understand this, that Jesus is the same person that Zechariah is talking about. So in Matthew, we find that the disciples go and get not one donkey, but they get two donkeys, a donkey and a foal. And this is what we call poetic parallelism. That Zechariah's prophecy contains a couple of donkeys in the story of a ruler entering into the city to do something different. And Matthew's story has Jesus riding on not one, but two of the donkeys. It reads, the disciples went and did as Jesus has directed them. They brought the donkey and the foal, and they put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. The point that Matthew is getting across to the readers of this gospel is that it's really him. It's Jesus. And like Zechariah foretold, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and he's about to do something different, something unexpected. And the crowd gathers around Jesus. This is the first time that we've seen the crowd active since Jesus fed them fish and bread and sent them on their way. From that moment, Jesus got into a boat and headed out, and he landed to where he was going, and he ran into a few religious leaders. He had a good talk with them. Then Jesus went on a hike with Peter and James and John, and they got to the top of the place that they were hiking, and something really cool happened. Jesus is lifted up, and those with him saw him with Moses and Elijah, and God said, this is my son, my beloved. And then Jesus spent a reasonable amount of time with the disciples, and then Jesus heads towards Jerusalem. And the crowd gathers again, and they're following Jesus, but passively. Jesus heals and Jesus teaches them and they are present. But it's when Jesus begins his journey on two donkeys down the Mount of Olives, up the Temple Mount and to Jerusalem that the crowd really shows out. And as they near the eastern gate, the crowd begins to throw their cloaks on the road and some grabbed branches and they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. As a casual piece of clothing, there were, there were two principal garments of the day. 
an interior cloak, an, an undergarment, a, a more, a more uh, uh, garden from the skin to the exterior. And then there was this outer garment. This outer garment is a little bit more costly. It was used as a jacket and even used as a blanket to sleep in. But who's going to wear their coat to bed as a sheet? Well, during this time, the Jewish people were under Roman oppression and taxation, so times were a tough. There wasn't a closet full of these overcoats hanging around. And you might let a good friend borrow one if they needed one, but to throw it on the ground for someone to walk on is saying this, is saying that I would give all that I have for you. Palm waving in the air and the throwing of cloaks on the ground echo five of the royal processions that we have in the ancient Hebrew text or our Old Testament. So as the crowd was shouting Hosanna and waving the palm branches and throwing their cloaks on the ground, this word Hosanna, Hosanna means save us, royal one. Jesus was entering the temple for Passover, and there were so many people there. Jews from all over the known world were coming together for Passover, and so there was more than just this one crowd that surrounded Jesus during his entrance. But this procession made such an impression that it shook the very core of the onlookers. They said, what's going on? Who is this guy? In 2 Samuel 7, we read of this covenant between God and David. The prophet Nathan tells David, the Lord says this, that I took you from the fields attending sheep and I put you on the throne. And now you're going to attend my sheep, my people, the people of Israel. And they're going to be in this new pasture. And when they once faced war, they're going to have peace now. And furthermore, when you die, I will raise up your descendants to establish my kingdom. The crowd that surrounded Jesus knew this passage well. The crowd that surrounded Jesus were waving their palm branches and throwing down their cloaks and shouting, Hosanna. The crowd that surrounded Jesus called him this, Son of David. So when they were asked, what's going on? Who is this guy on this donkey? Their response was, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee, the one who will liberate us from the oppression of the Roman rule, the one who is sent by God and who rightfully sits on the throne. He will conquer all who stand in his way, and he will be our new king. That was their expectation. That's what they thought that Jesus was doing. The crowd would chant something later in the days to come. Perhaps it would be the crowd who asked who Jesus was. Perhaps it would be the crowd who thought they knew what Jesus was doing. Either way, the chants that filled the air would change from Hosanna to crucify. There are three groups surrounding Jesus during this journey to Jerusalem. First, we have those who were close to Jesus, the disciples. Jesus' close friends, Lazarus, Martha, Mary. Those who understood Jesus was doing something different and extraordinary, that he was doing something divine, and even still Jesus was working with them to define what that meant. Then there's this crowd who shows up with excitement and celebrated what they thought Jesus was going to do and that they wanted to be involved. And then there's this crowd that had no clue who Jesus was. Friends, there's something so beautiful in this text this morning. 
Something so beautiful that the crowds got to experience. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus riding on a donkey, entering into Jerusalem, on the way to do something different and extraordinary. During his journey to Jerusalem, Jesus is with the crowd that knows him. Jesus is with the crowd that is intrigued by him and wants to be involved. And Jesus is with the crowd that has no clue who he is. This, my friends, is a perfect example of God's love. God is present before we know who God is. God is there when we think we know what God is doing and we want to be a part of it. And God remains while God reveals himself to us and shows us how to live. Jesus did not ride into Jerusalem to establish an earthly kingdom. Instead, Jesus did something different and wonderful. Through his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection, Jesus brought the fullness of God's love into this world. And that's why we wave our palm branches this day. That's why we lay everything that we have down at the feet of Jesus. When Jesus was asked, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus answers this. God's kingdom is not going to be like something where you say, here it is, or there it is, or it's over there. God's kingdom is coming, and God's kingdom is here. That is what Jesus' work in this world was. And on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. That's why we wave our branches today. That's why we sing Hosanna wonderfully today. But in the days to come, it will be more difficult to be excited about all the events that take place throughout Holy Week. Our shouts of joy will become softened by our reflection around the Last Supper. Our cheers, anticipating triumphant, will turn to tears and cries for mercy And we will face the darkness, the silence of death in a tomb. But hope is coming. Hope is coming. Whatever this week brings, whatever we might have faced the last few days or facing beyond this week, this is the good news. Today we're on the other side of this story. And we can say, it's really him. Jesus defeated death and sent us his spirit. God is with us and hope is here. Hope is here. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that you would come and live among us. That you would experience life as as we experience it. That you would be among the number of crowds, those who knew you well, those who thought they knew you, those who didn't know you at all, and yet you brought your love to them. That you went through this holy week, that you faced the cross, that you defeated death, that you live again and you teach us how to live into your kingdom. God, help us find hope today, tomorrow, and the days to come. In Christ's holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at
www.thepeacefulchurch.org. May God bless you this week.